Baptist uh, and things like that. And I, I made sure they understood I'm not a Reformed Baptist. I am not. We don't trace our history to the Reformation. Uh, we understand the history. And I made sure very plainly that they understood that, that I'm not a Reformed Baptist. Now, some of them don't know the history that we know. They don't, they've never heard that. They've only heard the Witsit theory, and they've only heard the, the theory of, of the Baptists starting at the Reformation or after the Reformation. Well, that's simply not true. Uh, and we can see that all the way through on this chart especially, but also we see it in the Scriptures. I believe the promise of God. I told them that I didn't get what I believe from the Reformation. I got it from the Bible. I got it from the Scriptures. And our faith is the faith of the Apostles, the same faith that they held to. The faith once delivered unto the saints. And this promise is in the scriptures. It's in Ephesians 3.21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's, that's the churches throughout all ages, right? It's throughout all this time period, all these, all these years that go by, the church is there has been there. And when I say the church, I mean as an institution. I don't mean some universal invisible body or some gigantic visible body of everyone called the church. I'm speaking as an institution, like you would say the home, right? Same way. All right. And that's, that's, I want to be very specific because some people don't understand that. So we, we, become, we, we're very specific with that, that when I say, when you hear me say the church and I use that terminology like that, I mean the institution itself has always been there. Invisible, local assemblies all the way through. Okay? It's always been there since Jesus founded it. And they ask, well, where, where do you believe the church was founded at? In the Jordan River. <laughs> That's where. Jesus Christ founded his church. The Holy Ghost did not found the church. Jesus Christ did. The Holy Ghost empowers the church. Amen. And my theology is not... Uh, mistaken on that. I understand that very plainly what the Bible says, that Jesus is the founder of his church. He said, I will build my church. Jesus called it his church. You are sitting in one of those churches today by the grace of God. I believe that. And Jesus said, I will build my church. Right. So that's what we have right here. All right. And then Paul explains the revelation of the mystery, right? Of Jew and Gentile together in one body. But the, the, the first church was founded where? Jerusalem, in the Jordan River, by Jesus Christ. Amen. And yes, it started out Jewish. It was all Jewish. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. There's no, there's no confusion there. That's fine. But guess what happened? The fellowship of the mystery, the understanding of those things happened, and Paul was, was given the, the revelation to expound on that and explain to us how we should conduct ourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Paul gave us the revelation and understanding of that. And so that's how it all goes together. But it started with Jesus in the Jordan River. That's not hard to understand. It's very simple. So uh, anyway, but, but very powerful stuff, very good stuff uh, to understand. Let's pray. Father, Lord, help us as we look at these patterns today. Lord, we thank you for these people. Thank you for our rich history that starts first in the Word of God. And then we see it in the pages of history. And we believe, Lord, what you say by faith in the book. But also we thank you for the record of these godly people that loved you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, now, G.H. Orchard, we're going to talk about him. And we may not get all the way through everything here today either with the Paterines. We might pick them up next week as well and talk about them in the afternoon again. Uh, but because uh, I have more to read from Orchard and Robinson and a few other a few other people, but uh, Brother Beller records this G.H. Orchard, which, by the way, Orchard's Baptist History, The History of the Baptist by Orchard, it's a cheap book. If you don't have it, you should buy it. It's very inexpensive. It's, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the publisher. I can't think of it. I'll think of it in a minute. Bogard Press. I got it. Bogard Press. Uh, Bogard Press produces... Uh, G.H. Orchard also produces uh, J.T. Christian's two volumes set the history of the Baptists. Very good resource as well. Uh, and we're going to talk about him too. But there's some other great resources. But G.H. Orchard is like the simplest to read. 
He, he, he's very simple. He's not over technical with everything, but and he, and he traces a history back. It's a good, it's a, it's a good book. So GH Orchard, Bogard Press. You might find it somewhere else too. There might be some more, but they are very inexpensive uh, books. So anyway, well, we'll pick up where Brother Beller does here. Uh, the English GH uh, Orchard, the English Baptist historian, found evidences for the descendants of the old Novationist protest of the third century alive and well in Italy during the 10th century. These people were called the Paterines, a name meaning sufferers for patient suffering in the face of persecution. Why is that interesting? Well, you have the Novationists back here, right? And then uh, right in Italy, right in the face of popery, right there you have these faithful Baptist witnesses, these faithful Bible-believing witnesses, right there around Rome and in Italy, you have them. Right in the face of the tyranny and everything that was going on, you have God's people right there with the Word of God, preaching the Bible to, to sinners and, and starting and organizing churches. And, and uh, they, they were the descendants of the Novationist. I don't know if you remember us covering the Novationists. We covered them a few years ago, I think it was now. And uh, there was a history of the Novationists that I had, the Treaties of Novation, I think. It's, an, it's a rare book, but anyway, G.H. Orchard would cover them uh, also. Uh, I like to sometimes give those references because people ask me when they listen to these teachings, well, what books do you read and where do you find some of this information at? So I like to tell you where you can find it and how you can get some of this. You can also, uh, from wayoflife.org, David Cloud has a Baptist history CD or download that you can order from him that has a bunch of digital. If you want digital, you can order that, that CD and download or you can order the digital download for Baptist history. And he'll have all these Baptist books or a great number of these Baptist books there. So some people don't, they don't have room for the books and they're like, well, I, I like to read off my Kindle or I like to read off something else. Well, you can get the digital download. It's called the Baptist Digital Library, I think is what he calls it. Uh, and, and you can uh, purchase that from him and all those books. A lot of those are free on Google. Uh, sometimes the formats of some of those aren't fun though to deal with when you're trying to read. They're kind of confusing. Uh, so sometimes it's better just to get it from like a digital download from him. It's got a searchable content so you can put in like if you were going to search a certain name, it would pull up all the Donatists or all the, the passages on, on those things. So that's kind of nice to have if you don't have that, okay? These people were called Paterines. We have given the outlines of these suffering people under the denomination of the Novationists and endeavored to trace their history till penal laws compelled them to retire into caves and dens to worship God. While oppressed by the Catholic party, they obtained the name Paterines, which means sufferers, or that is nearly synonymous with other modern acceptations of the word martyrs. That was from Alex, uh, Peter Alex, A-L-L-I-X. He wrote, he wrote one book called The History of the Albigenses and the Waldensians, or the Voudois, he calls them. You can get his book. It's, it's a little bit rare, but it is on, on David Cloud's download, digital download, but you can find sometimes a copy of that book, but I found it to be pretty expensive. I think it was, Scott, I think we probably paid like 50 bucks for that book. It wasn't cheap. It was, yeah, it's a black book. I have it at home, and he wrote it. Also, Faber wrote one. A man named Faber wrote one on the the Albigenses and the the Waldenses. But but Alex's book is probably the best. I've used that for a number of things in the past. It's A L L I X. It's the history of the Albigenses. He talks about the slaughter of the Albigenses, the false accusations that were made against them. If you remember the Albigenses, do you remember the false accusations? One of the major false accusations that was made after, against them. Does anybody remember that? Man, do you remember the main? What's that? Heretic. They were here. Well, that's what they called them all, so they could kill them. Yeah, but there was a specific her heresy that they. No, well, maybe they might have called them modalists. Luke, Manichaeans. That's right. They call them Manichaeans, not Munchichians or anything like that, but Manichaeans. You probably don't know what a Munchichi is, but that's okay. Um, you know what a Munchichi is? Yeah, those little monkeys. Yeah, they didn't call them monkeys. He called them Manichaeans, but they did. They did claim that they ate their children and did all kinds of weird stuff. They accused them of everything, so they could kill them, and then they stole their children. Right? That's, that's the papacy. That's, yeah. 
Yep, work salvation is such a damnable heresy. It kills a lot of people. Uh, people will do a lot in the name of earning their salvation. Right? They will. They'll do anything you tell them to do if you tell them they're going to hell. There were literally kings that, that kissed the Pope's uh, hoof. Yeah, his split hoof. They kissed it and they, they, they laid an ash cloth, uh, ashes and sackcloth right in order for the Pope to forgive them of their sin of adultery. Hmm, isn't that something? Okay. Uh, by the way, in Jones's history of the, of the Church of Christ, and which indicated and afflicted the poor people trusting in the name of the Lord, and which name was in the great measure restricted to dissenters of Italy, where it is as common as the Albigenses in the south of France, or the Vaudois in Piedmont. So remember, you'll see some more video of us in Piedmont and in that cave, but we'll talk about that. But so remember, so they are on the northern part of Italy, and then the, the, the Paterines are on the other side, right? They're in that section. And the Albigenses are on the, in the south of France. Well, why are they called those different names? Because that's the regions that they represented. So they would call them Albigenses for where they were at. They would, they would call them the, the Vaudois. They were the people of the valley, right, uh, where they were at. And then, then you have the, the Paterines because of their suffering. That's the name that they, they, they gave them. We left off our narrative of the Novatius at the end of the 6th century, yet it is very evident dissenters continued in Italy, as is proved by the complaints of the clergy. The clergy always complained that there were these people that were around, and they, they took the scriptures, and they preached them, and they preached against infant baptism, and they would not let their babies be baptized, and they preached against... Uh, the, the, the papacy, and they preached against the supremacy of the Pope. Who were these people? You. They were the same people you are that preached the same thing. And they called them dissenters. Baptists are the original dissenters, right? We are the original ones. We originally dissented from the phony and fake papacy. We wouldn't yoke up with them. They, they were, we were looked at them like, well, okay, so Rome had their supremacy. Around 300 AD, they started and they continued on with their supremacy, right? Up till 700 AD with Pope Gregory and all these others. But they, they, so, so they have their supremacy, right? And we were just like, well, we don't care what you do. We're not doing it. Right? Because here in 145 AD, the, the Vaudois people in, in northern Italy they have their they have their own text. Jerome comes out in later on and in, in, in 400 and has his text and says until it goes to the Waldenses or the Vaudois people and tells them, well, you need to you need to have our scriptures. And they said, well, we don't want Catholic scriptures. We don't. We have our scriptures. We got them in 140 A.D. from where? From Syria. Well, where's Syria? Antioch. Well, what do we know about Antioch? Well, look in the Bible. What do you know about Antioch? Paul was there. It was the missionary. It was the, it was the Baptist church planting capital, so to speak. They sent out missionaries. Paul went from Antioch. His disciples went from Antioch. The scriptures were translated in Antioch into other languages. Yes, we're called Christians first in where? Antioch. So you're telling these, these Vaudois people in like three or 400, or 400 AD, well, you, you need a new Bible. And they're like, no, we don't. Right? They didn't bought into Origen's line or Augustine later and the others. They, they rejected. They would reject that. Okay, so uh, that's important history to understand because the reason they were the people they were is because of the book they had. I, hey, the reason we're the people we are is because of the book we have. That's, this is what separates us from everybody else. Amen. This is why I can't stand up and speak ex cathedra to you. What does that mean? That everything I say is inspired. And that, that my words are infallible. And that you have to obey me, otherwise you go to purgatory or you go to hell. This is why they hated those people. Because they had the scriptures and they said, no, we're not doing that. We are not following you. 
We're not following your cunningly devised fables. We were warned about you. Right? In Revelation, they were warned. Paul warned them in Thessalonians. So in Syria, that's where the word of God came forth. So anyway, it, it ended up here. All right, these patterines. The clergy complained about them, these, dis these dissidents, which point is, is seated by Dr. Moshim. Dr. Moshim was a Lutheran historian, a very good one, by the way, an honest one, which there's not very many of those, but he actually was a pretty honest historian, and he told the truth about history. There are a few out there. It was by means of the Paterines, says Dr. Alex, that the truth was preserved in the diocese of Milan and Turin. Because of because truth was preserved because of this group, God using this group of people to do it. In Milan and Turin, which we were near, right? Milan and Turin. That's so think about that. So you're over there, you're looking at this, and this is where, and then you go to the you're the valleys of Piedmont, right? And we're there, we're standing, we're looking out there, and this is the same place. They took the gospel up and down those streets. I, I mean, it's just fascinating to me. It's just absolutely. The public religion of the Paterines consisted of nothing but this. Social prayer, reading and expounding the Gospels, baptism once, and the Lord's Supper as often as convenient. So it wasn't like Roman Catholicism that had to be a certain set time all the time. Right? Which I want to remind you, we are observing the Lord's Supper Wednesday, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We will have that whole service will be dedicated to the Lord's Supper. So... Um, and I'll preach on the Lord's table, and we'll observe the Lord's table. Amen? Um, but uh, Italy was full of such Christians, which bore various names from various causes. They said a Christian church ought to consist of only good people. What do they mean by that? They meant God-fearing people, saved people, a regenerated church body. Same thing you believe, right? Our church isn't made up of lost people. It's made up of professing saved people. That doesn't mean that everyone in the room is saved. It means that that's what we hold to. That's, that's what we hold to. And, God, and we believe God will save those that are not. Amen? By faith, we believe that. So they said that a Christian church ought to consist of only good people. A church had no power to frame any constitutions. Well, well that's interesting, isn't it? i.e. to make laws. We don't make laws. We obey God's word. Amen. He made the laws. <laughs> yeah, we obey them. We don't, well, we're going to make a new rule. We're going to make a new law. No, we don't make anything. We follow what God says. We're not legislators. <laughs> right? We're not legislators. We don't make laws. We're just talking about the Amish and, the, and some of the things that went on. What they do, they make laws. They just make, the, you can't wear this button thing, or you can't wear these buttons, or button, button, who's got the button? Right? You, right? you, you Sorry, I just thought of that. I thought how silly that was to look at somebody and be like, look, you can't have that button. It's a hard time. But see, they don't have what you have. You could say, well, preacher, could you show me that in the Bible? And then I look at you like, Nope. <laughs> and you'd be like, well, I ain't doing it then. Yeah. Right? That's amen. That's why we get burned. Right? And then we would say, amen. <laughs> ain't there. That keeps me from saying to you and, and like putting things on you that I want to see, that I would want to see done out of my own heart, right? I can't do that. It, Yea, all of you be subject one to another. So we have the scriptures, and we're like, no, well, that ain't the Bible. That's just silly. Right? right? So they, didn't, they believed no framing any constitutions, no making laws. It was not right to take oaths, they said. We would not take an oath. It was not lawful to kill mankind, nor should he be delivered up to the officers of justice to be converted. What did they, what did they mean by that? Well, you don't force people, no forced religion. religion. Right, no state beast religion. You weren't allowed to do that. Faith alone could save a man. The benefit of society belonged to all its members. 
he's talking about church. That's what he means by that when he says that. The church ought not to persecute. Uh-oh, this one will get you. This is dispensational. Right? And it's right, too. The church ought not to persecute, and the law of Moses was no rule for Christians. Amen. That's dispensationally correct, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, I don't like that term. I don't care if you like it or not. It's, it's a way to describe it. It's the truth. The law of Moses is not the rule for the church. Where do we find the rule for the churches? Where do we find the rules? Where do we find the guidance? The New Testament, Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Because he was given the, what? The revelation of the mystery to explain to you how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. That's where it comes from. Not, we don't go back to Moses. You're like, oh, I got to figure that out. I got to go back to Moses to figure out what we're supposed to do here. Well, if, if we go back to Moses, I get a rod and I get to do a lot of things. And I really want to hit somebody. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. That was, I was kidding. I would, I, I really want snakes to bite you when you complain too much. But I'm just kidding. I don't. But, but right. And I get to blow my shofar. That's right. No, but seriously, the law of Moses is not the rule for the church. That sounds pretty interesting, doesn't it? Well, it sounds pretty biblical. It sounds like they understood their, their biblical theology well, right? They understood what the Bible said, not the philosophies of men, but it's what the Word of God says. I like that, all right? That's good. It's to love the Lord your God, number one, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. That's right. All the law. Yeah. And the prophets, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus was the embodiment and the fulfillment of that love. Right? He didn't go around just like whooping people down and stuff. I mean, it's, I thought we was going to bust some heads, preacher. Okay, that was weird. It's like, do you listen to anything I say? I mean... I don't think I have any videos of me busting heads. <laughs> okay. So he talks about the law of Moses. There's no rule for the Christians. The Catholics of those times baptized by immersion. How about that? The Paterines, therefore, in all their branches made no complaint of the action of baptism. But when they were examined, they objected vehemently against the baptism of infants and condemned it as an error. So they, what they did stand, Rome, it wasn't, uh, sprinkling wasn't a problem then. But the one thing that was a problem is they were baptizing babies. And they said, nope, we don't do that. That's, that's error. Ato, the bishop of Vercelli, complained of these people in 946 as other clergy had done before. But from this period until the 13th century, Baptists continued to increase and multiply. The wickedness of the clergy considerably aided the cause of dissent. What happened? Because the clergy was so wicked, things that could not be repeated is what is said in most of the histories. That like it does not bear, it does not, it's not decent to repeat what the clergy were like. That's how bad they were. So all the things that, Brother Paul, that you and I just talked about up here, that and then some. It was so bad, they said, we won't even repeat it. That's how bad the clergy was. So when they saw real people like the Paterines that loved the Lord, that led their families, that loved their children, that lived holy lives, they were separated from sin, they didn't get into wickedness, and they, they stood against all these other things, their churches grew during those times. And they grew because the people, they craved a walk with God. They wanted something real because they saw the priests were fake. They saw the priests were wicked and they were like, that grew the churches. So if you have true churches around wicked churches, those true churches, God-fearing people are gonna flock to those. They're gonna go to those to avoid the others. They're gonna stay away. 
Orchard continuing said this, the Paterines were in 1040 very numerous and conspicuous in Milan which was their principal residence. And here they flourished at least 200 years. They had no connection with the Catholic Church, nor with the fathers. I got that in print here. See, right there, okay. Considering them as corruptors of Christianity. They said they, they, they didn't have anything to do with the church fathers, right? It's like people talk about the church fathers. Well, these guys, they were around the whole time. They were around those churches. They had no connection or communication with Rome. They had no communication with the Catholics. See, you're, I'm, to, I'm sorry, but many of you grew up in churches where you got fed a line of dookie. Right. Yep. You got told a big fat lie and you swallowed it whole. And there are so many reformers and Protestants out there teaching a lie. They're teaching that, well, uh, you know, everybody was Rome and they all just went along like this. And then like all of a sudden, like Martin Luther and stuff, and then all this stuff happened and stuff. Well, no, in stuff it didn't. Okay? That's not, that's not how it happened. These churches were always there in opposition to Rome. They never, even Isaac Newton said they never yoked with Rome. The Baptists were notorious for never being part of Roman Catholicism. These baptized believers were, they, they were never part of it. They grew alongside of it. And they just kept going and they, they were like, no, we, right. They never had anything to do with them. And that's important for you to understand because you're given a lie. Like Reformation Day, you're given a lie and like, oh, we all celebrate Reformation Day. Hey, the only good thing that came out of the Reformation is the King James Bible. <laughs> God used it. Amen. God used the Reformation for that and I thank God for that. The rest of it, they're a bunch of abusers. And there were people around long before serving God, long before the Reformation. And that's why I called that sermon I preached years ago, Reformation, the scary, Reformation Day, the scary, scarier than Halloween for the Baptist. Remember that? Go back and listen to that if you haven't heard that. That was from years ago. It's maybe 2018. Reformation, scarier than Halloween for the Baptist. Because it was. We just added new enemies, that's all. When Reformation Day happened, then John Knox got his kingdom, and then and then um, Luther got his kingdom, and then Zwingli got his kingdom, and the Church of England got their kingdom. Right? All the what happened to us? We just got beat down by more people. That's what happened. We just got beat down. We had more enemies. People don't know the history. I just, I laugh at them when they give it and they talk about theirs. I just laugh at them. I don't hate any of those people. It's just, I'm just going to, I'm not going to lie for them. I'm not going to tell something that's not true. I'm not going to lie for these people. I'm not going to lie for these reformers. Because I don't owe them anything. What, what church traditions were those reformers speaking of, translators, when they, when they, when James Bible was written? Right. It wasn't the reformers. Right. Right. They went to the, when you, when you had over, well, you have over here, they got from Antioch and Syria. They got the text that they had. They had the old Latin, right, which they would have used. Martin Luther, he got his text from the Anabaptists and from the, or from the Waldenses. That's where he got his text from. And, 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 and some of his other things in the old Latin, which is not the Latin Vulgate of Jerome. It's the old Latin back in the, Syri we're translating from the Syrian all the way back. So, I mean, it's not what they think. They lie about it. They just don't tell the truth. Or they minimize it so they don't have to tell you what really happened. Because why? Because it indicts them. That's why. Every single one of them it indicts. Every single one of those Protestant reformers, they've got some blood on their hands from the doctrines they preached. And then Luther was mixed up. I mean, his, his gospel of water baptism and mixed with it was confusing i mean he says he believed in salvation by grace through faith and then you read what he said about baptism and it doesn't add up it's just weird i i, I covered that long ago you can go listen to that all right i'll keep going here they had no connection with the catholic church nor with the fathers considering them as corruptors of christianity they called the cross or the crucifix worshiped as an image the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place because they would kiss the cross and they would bow down to it and they would and they called that the, the worship of that like that they called that an abomination 
and they didn't do it. They, they had no images like that. They didn't do that. That doesn't mean like a cross is a wicked thing or anything like that, if you're, but they were worshiping it. They, like the Catholics do, they worship it. They hold it, they rub it, they do all this other weird stuff to it, right? Right, they keep Dracula waves it, they shake their little smoky stick at it, and they got all their, their opium they got in their, their dope in the box, they, sprint, they swing around. I enjoy, if you can't tell, I do enjoy making fun of them. Yes, those two. They called the cross the crucifix, worshipped as an image, the abomination of desolation, standing in the holy place. And they said it was the mark of the beast. Man, you know, these, these patterns, they don't sound like they're very nice guys, these patterines. They, how come they didn't love? Why, why didn't they say it nicer? They didn't seem like they loved, did they? Isn't that something? You see the similarities? That's the same thing they say about you. Yeah. Same thing they say about us when we preach what we do. They didn't love. They, why weren't they loving? But they need to preach love. Nor had they, they, nor had they any share in the state, for they took no oaths and bore no arms. The state did not trouble them, but the clergy preached, prayed, and published books against them with unbated zeal. So at the time, they weren't under any persecution, but they did not join the state. They did not join their groups or militias or any of their groups. They stayed away. They stayed independent from all of those things. They would not. That means they didn't send their children off to war to go fight with them either, right? Or fight for them. They didn't do it. They stayed independent. They followed the Lord. Amen. The Paterines were decent in their deportment, modest in their dress and discourse, and their morals were irreproachable. In their conversation, there was no levity, no scurrility. I don't want to say that, scurrility. Boy, that's a word. No detraction, no falsehood, no swearing. Their dress was neither fine nor mean which means they didn't dress super fancy, but they didn't dress super drab, right? They were just modest. They weren't trying to stick out in either way, either direction, right? To be the most modest person ever and go above that, you know, to make a spectacle themselves or to go the other way and look all flashy. They just, they didn't do that. They kind of just maintained it, uh, an average there. They were chaste and temperate, never frequenting taverns, or places of public amusement. They were not given to anger or violent passions. What does it mean? Well, they were just, they were Christians. They were just being Christians. They were not eager to accumulate wealth, but were content with a plain plenty of the necessities of life, necessaries of life. They avoided commerce because they thought it would expose them to the temptations of collusion, falsehood, and oaths. And... No, no, no. No, this, this here is from Orchard. Orchard's recording this. But I'm sure Moshim would probably have said some similar things about them. Uh, they were always employed in spare hours, either in giving or receiving instructions. So in their spare time, what they do? They preached the Word of God. They taught each other the Bible. They edified one another. Kind of like what you do when you have free time. That's what you do. Right? We talk the Scriptures. We go over them. Their churches were divided into 16 compartments, such as the English Baptists would call associations, which isn't, is neither biblical nor necessary, but it's just what they did. That was their practice. By the way, when you hear things about these, that doesn't mean you have to follow each thing these people did. It just describes their life and what they did. The things that are biblical, you and I can follow. The things that are not, we don't worry about, right? It doesn't, they're not the authority of faith and practice the Bible is. But there, there are a lot of good things about them that they did, wonderful things that they did, that they loved the Lord and they loved people. Their churches, uh, let's see, uh, each of these was subdivided into parts, which would be here called churches or congregations. In Milan, there was a street called Pereria, where it is supposed they met for worship. Their bishops and officers were mechanics, weavers, shoemakers, or maintained themselves by their industry. They had houses in Ferrara, Bracia, which is, remember Arnold of, well, we haven't talked about him yet. Years ago, I did Arnold of Bracia. They, they, they talked, um, he would have been similar to them too as well. In many other cities and towns. One of their principal churches was at Con, Concorizo in the, in, in the Milanese. 
and the members of the churches in this association were more than 1,500. During the kingdoms of the Goths and the Lombards, the Anabaptists, as the Catholics called them, had their share of churches and baptistries, during which time they held no communion with any hierarchy. So they didn't have any of, there was no hierarchy of, of church, you know, other churches that were over them. They were independent bodies of believers. Yeah, 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 yep, yeah, yep. They didn't have any head over them besides their local, their local church in the scriptures. That's what they, they believed, right? Uh, let's see. The language of the Paterines is very strongly expressed against infant baptism, uh, which, which they, they were strongly against that. They, they were opposed to infant baptism, uh, very much so. Now, we'll go over just a few more here. Um, let's see. Uh, Robinson talks about them a little bit in his books. I'm just giving you some references, or Jones, excuse me, Jones in his Baptist history book, History of the Christian Church, it's called. He says this, this seems to be the proper balance for introducing some particular mention of the sect of the Paterines. The most copious account of them that I have met with is that given by Mr. Robinson in his ecclesiastical researches, and as it appears to be well supported by the authorities which he has adduced, and to correspond with what is said of the same people by Dr. Alex Moshim and others. I present to them the reader mostly in his own words. Much has been written on the etymology of the word paterine. Like, where did it come from? Why did they call them that exactly? But as the Italians themselves are not agreed on the, the, where it came from, it is not likely foreigners should be able to determine it. Like, we're not, if they don't know, we're not going to figure it out. In Milan, where it was first used, it, it answered to the English words vulgar, illiterate, low-bred, and these people were so-called because they were chiefly of the lower order of men. Uh, you know, they, they worked a job. They, they were mechanics in their churches, artificers, manufacturers, and others who lived in their honest, of their honest labor. Gazari is a corruption of Catharai, or Puritans, and it is remarkable that in the examination of these people, they are not taxed with any immoralities, but were condemned for speculations, or rather for virtuous rules of action, which all in power accounted heresies. So, yep. Uh, I'll, I'll check and see uh, about that. I don't think they were a super large group, but they did spread out to difference. It's hard to locate like all the... It did say that 1,500 of them were present in their associations at that time in that group that were there. Um, during that, That's what Orchard records. But I'm not sure. they. You know, you wouldn't be able to... It, it's kind of like Baptist. You wouldn't be able to judge like how you would gather them all together because now we have things that we can record and we can find but these paterines are going to be like you would come up into a little town or a little village somewhere and there'd be a group of these paterines in a church meeting and you wouldn't know it no one would know it no one else outside of that group would ever know so because local churches were everywhere so these people would travel through that side of Italy and they would start churches everywhere and you wouldn't know it because they didn't have any mega churches, right? They weren't mega, uh, mega church groups. The other thing that it's important to note is they called them low bread. Uh, they called them, um, yeah. Uh, and these people were so-called because they were chiefly, they were, um, they were, they were hardworking men. So that's what they called them. They didn't, they looked down on them. But yeah, like the tinker from Bedford, right? What, what else did they, what else do you pick up from, they said they were vulgar. Who else was this said about? Vulgar, illiterate, lowbred. Uh, who, the disciples of the Lord, right? That's how, that's how they've always, the Pharisees looked down on them like that. And who else did? Roman Catholicism, the priests looked down on these people. Why? They were simple men. Right. They were very simple. Yeah, they didn't wear dresses, that's right. They said a Christian church ought to consist of only good people. I read this to you before. A church had no power to frame any constitutions. We read that already. As the Catholics of those times baptized by immersion, the Paterines, by what name soever they were so-called, the they, call, they called them Manichaeans, Gazari, Josephus, Pasigans. 
They made no complaint of the mode of baptism, but when they were examined, they objected vehemently against the baptism of infants and condemned it as an error. Among other things, they said that a child knew nothing of the matter, that he had no desire to be baptized and was incapable of making any confession of faith, and that the willing and professing another could be of no service to him. What are they saying? They're saying, so take Josiah right there. Josiah has no interest in baptism, <laughs> right? He just wants to go swimming, right? He has no, and you cannot confer your faith upon him. So when they say a child, that's what they mean. They're talking about a baby or a, or a, a, a little child, a little baby, a little child up to, you know, that's not cognizant of anything, doesn't understand anything. Here then, says Dr. Alex, very truly, we have found a body of men in Italy before the year 1026, 500 years before the Reformation. I like this part. Who believed contrary to the opinions of the Church of Rome and who highly condemned their errors. Amen. It is observable that those who are alluded to by Dr. Alex were brought to light by mere... Uh, uh, by mere accident, no notice was taken of them in Italy. But some disciples of Gandalf, that's weird, I know that's his name, one of their teachers went to settle in the Low Countries, Netherlands, and Gerard, bishops of Cambrai, imprisoned them under the pretense of converting them. So we're going to drop some salvation on you. How are you going to do that? I'm going to throw you in prison. You're going to get some religion. Right? We're going to drop some Roman Catholicism on you. How are you going to do that? I'm going to stick you in a dungeon. And you're going to believe, boy. Right. So what they do? They stuck him in a dungeon to convert them, to get them to believe. You can also see why some of those people, um, some of those pastors, the times that they lived in, they, they had to work and they had their congregations were not good sized. They did not have affluent people or people that were, so they had to work a separate job in order to do that. You can see why they did that because of the, the strong Roman Catholicism that was there at the time. So the Apostle Paul talks about there were certain places that he went, that he worked, and, he, and, and other churches, he robbed other churches right. to do them service. Why? Because he would not let the Corinthian people tell him that he was out for their money. So other churches supported Paul. Or he, or he made tents. Why? Because he did not want to give those false apostles that were in that church at Corinth, deceitful workers, he did not want to give them any ammunition. So he didn't. He wasn't, because he, he says in 1 Corinthians 9 that the labor is worthy of his hire and not to muzzle the oxen. So there are times when that was important. The first five years of this ministry was important. Not because people were accusing me of, you know, milking them or whatever. It's just because we didn't have any, enough people to do that, to take care of things. So what did we do? I worked a full-time job and I, and I pastored full-time. There's no such thing as part-time pastoring, just so you know. There's like no such thing as that. You're not a part-time pastor and a full-time worker. You're a full-time worker and a part and a full-time pastor. That's you, you don't pastor people part-time. You don't watch for people's souls part-time, right? It's not like a hobby you have or something. <laughs> it's <laughs> something I do for fun. It's kind of a hobby, right? No, it's amen. It's full-time work. Amen. And it better be. It better be full-time in your heart. Otherwise, you're in a lot of trouble. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, that's not necessary. Won't cover that. Let's see. I'm just flipping through some things here real quick. Ah, this is important. About the year 1176, the Archbishop of Milan, an old and firm man, while preaching against them with great vehemence, that's preaching against uh, the Paterines. Let me back up here. The Paterines, uh, yeah, we talked about that decent in their deportment. They were chaste, temperate, never frequent taverns. They had no connection with the Catholic Church. Listen. They had no connection with the Catholic Church, for they rejected not only Jerome of Syria, Augustine of Africa, Gregory of Rome, Ambrose of Milan, considering them and all other pretended fathers as corruptors of Christianity. Amen. Yes. They particularly condemned Pope Sylvester, not the cat, the Pope. You don't know who that is. Okay. Okay. Uh, Pope Sylvester, they, now listen, this is a charge. I want you to listen now. They particularly condemn Pope Sylvester as Antichrist. You got to love these people. I, I do. 
They called the adoration of the cross the mark of the beast. They had no share in the state, for they took no oaths and bore no arms. The state did not trouble them, but the clergy preached, prayed, and published books against them with unabated zeal. So what they do, they, in modern day times, they made videos against him. <laughs> against him. They accused him of things in videos. Like the Paterines exposed. <laughs> like Jason Cooley exposed and stuff like that. That's what they did. Only they wrote them in books. That was their... They exposed the Paterines. Yeah, except they burned him. And thank God, I, I only have an effigy of being burned in a video yeah. where I'm coming up out of the flames. The, or was I sinking down in the flames? I don't know. Either way, I'm just glad it's not true. Uh, it, it is kind of funny. I had the Pope hat on, too, which is really weird because I don't have one of those. I have a millstone around my neck, too. What are you watching videos about people putting millstones around my neck? That ain't very nice about your pastor. I'm going to watch one about you. They do something. No, I'm just kidding. I hope they do one of you. I'm going to watch yours. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, you, you saw that on there. I know. It's funny. I type in my name sometimes, and I find out all kinds of things about me. Okay, I'll show that one. No, I'm kidding. I won't. I'm just kidding. No, I know. There's a lot of weird ones out there. This... This, this one black lady got mad at me and she did a video about me. She was a prophetess. Oh, those are always she reminds me of what is it Jesse Lee Peterson said? A fat black lesbian, Marxist. Not today. But she said about, she's, she did a video about me exposing me too. Because I preached against women preachers. About the year 1176, the Archbishop of Milan, now listen to this, an old and firm man while preaching against them with great vehemence, dropped down in a fit and expired as soon as he had received extreme unction. Sounds like a personal problem. About 14 years afterward, one Bonacursi, not bony face, no, not bony face, Bonacursi, who pretended he had been one of these paterines. So he went in, he infiltrated them, he pretended to be one. Hey, I, hey, I've had that happen before. It made a public renunciation of his opinions and embraced the Catholic Church, the Catholic faith, filling Milan with fables as all renegades do. He reported that cities, suburbs, towns, and castles were full of these false prophets, that it was the time to suppress them, and that the prophet Jeremiah had directed the, Milani the, the Milan people what to do when he said, Cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from blood. Advice from which we shall presently see was but too implicitly followed. So what did he do? He pretended to be a paterine, then he pretended to repent. You mean he's like a Jesuit coadjutor that came in, he was from Rome, and he came into the church and he pretended to be a paterine or a Baptist, and then he comes out and he exposes the paterines, and then he becomes a Catholic and he draws people into the Catholic church, kind of like James White does sort of in some ways with his Catholic text that he follows, um, right? So they, but, but they do that, right? He did that, and then he drew, but then he said, now we need to take the sword of vengeance against the Paterines, and we need to wipe them out. Why? Well, what did they do? There was no charge against them. Like, there was no real charge against them. Right? So we can't stop them, so we have to kill them. No, we can't even argue with them. We can't debate them. We can't... Uh, go to the scriptures and reason it out, so we're just going to kill them. As it may afford satisfaction to some readers to know from what sources the authority of Mr. Robinson was drawn for his account of the Paterines, I here subjoin them to Muratori, Antiquities of Italy, Gregory Con Contra Manichaeos, I can't pronounce this, os, so I'm done with that. I can't pronounce that. That's some weird Italian stuff I can't say. So anyway and stuff so you can go back and look at that all right okay let me let me check here we're almost done here i'm just gonna make sure i didn't miss anything here okay well so the paterines they're going to extend they're also going to extend into the, where the waldenses are that's definitely going to happen um you, you would find them yoked very closely together why because they're in italy and they they share a like faith and practice, right? So, let's see. Oh, here, 
nope, that's a different one. Yep, I want to check orchards one more time because we didn't get everything from orchard. Okay, uh, let's see. In confirmation of this view of this part, placed as a motto over the history of the Paterines, it is obvious that the two-edged sword was the only weapon these people used, meaning the word of God, right? Uh he starts out, Orchard starts out on the Paterines. He says this, this passage given by John was so graphic of the situation and the circumstances of the novation and the Paterines in Revelation chapter 2, verse 13. What is that? I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is, and thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith. He said that describes the Paterines, describes who they are. If the man of sin is constituted by a succession of popes, he says, why might not Antipas, that faithful martyr, be represented by a succession of reforming men as oppressors of the sinful system against the whole anti-papacy? As the anti-papacy, the error in explaining the revelation has been in making one part. So what he says is he believes that if, if uh, the man of sin is a succession of men there, why cannot Antipas, that faithful martyr, represent the faithful in Christ? all through the centuries. I don't have a problem with that. I believe that's, I, th I think that's pretty accurate actually, because that, that my faithful martyr Antipas, right? All the way down through the centuries, we have faithful men that battled that man of sin, right? That, that papacy, that antichrist system. In confirmation of this view of this part, places a motto over the history of the Paterines, it is obvious that the two-edged sword was the only weapon these people used. And this approved instrument of their Lord enabled Antipas to overcome. We overcome them by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives unto death. Right? That's the overcoming of them. And that's by that two-edged sword, right, that we have. In a previous section, we've given the outlines of these suffering people. We talked about them. Uh, let's see, the public religion of them. I'm just making sure I haven't missed anything. Oh, by the way, here's another point. They are also freed from the baneful charge of Manichaeism and are not taxed with any immorality, but were condemned for virtuous rules of action with all power accounted heresy. At different periods and from various causes, these Baptists considerably increased. Those of their churches where baptism was administered were known by the name of baptismal churches. And to such churches, all the Christians in the uh, flocked for baptism. When Christianity spread into the country, the people met for worship where they could, but all candidates came up to the baptismal church to receive the ordinance. In times, baptistries were built in the country, and in the like, old ones were resorted to by the neighboring inhabitants. There was a shadow of this among the Reformed churches of Piedmont. So, they, in other words, they went to a church, uh, a group, of, a part of their churches to be baptized scripturally together at that point. Uh, he talks about uh, Otto, the Bishop of Versilli, which we talked about in 946, um, and how they increase there. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's what they say about the papacy at this time uh, that the, the Paterines would have stood against. The clergy were not only ignorant, but they were adulterers and sodomites. Sound familiar? This is Alex's recording, the, 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 uh, the people of the time. And so a variation of, I don't know how to say that word, a variatious, A-V-A-R-I-C-I-O-U-S. Anyway, as to sell any sacred thing for money. So basically what they did was they sold any sacred thing they could for money, these priests did. Their illegitimate children were provided for out of the revenues of the church. So kind of like the popes or the, the, the priests sleep with the nuns, have babies. If they don't kill them, they send them off. But they could not be supported without proving their connection and membership, which was established only by baptism. This urgency pushed forward baptism from minors to infants. So one of the reasons the papacy grew in baptizing babies was all their illegitimate children had to be funded. So in order for them to be a part of the church, they had to baptize infants into the church. So the church would be subject to have to pay for their illegitimate children. Yep. 
Among these people, a reformer or principal minister appeared to attain some eminency. One, Gundolphus, appears to have had many admirers. Having given some persons in his connection a proportion, a portion of spiritual instruction, he sent them forth as itinerants to preach the gospel. Well, so they went out and they preached. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Some of the followers were arrested. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? In Flanders. And on other examinations, they acknowledged they were followers of this man. They are charged, says Dr. Alex, with abhorring baptism, i.e. the Catholic baptism. These disciples said in reply, the law and discipline we have received of our master will not appear contrary either to the gospel decrees or apostolic institutions. If carefully looked into, this discipline consists in leaving the world, in bridling carnal concupiscence. You know what that is? That's uncontrolled, lustful, sexual desires. Okay? In providing a livelihood by the labor of our hands, in hurting nobody, and affording charity to all. This is the sum of our justification to which the use of baptism can super add nothing. But if any say that some sacrament lies hidden baptism, the force of it is taken off by three causes. First, because the reprobate life of ministers can afford no saving remedy to the persons baptized. Secondly, because whatever sins are renounced at the font are afterwards taken up again in life and practice. Thirdly, because a strange will, a strange faith, and strange confession do not seem to belong to a little child who neither wills nor runs, who knoweth nothing of faith, and is altogether ignorant of his own good and salvation, in whom there can be no desire of regeneration, and from whom no confession of faith can be expected. They're basically saying they don't, we practice believers' baptism, and Rome wants to baptize infants. And that's impossible because they can't come to us. They don't have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They're not repented and they haven't believed the gospel. So you're charging us with hating baptism. We don't. We hate your version of it. <laughs> we hate your lie. But we believe in believer's baptism. Right? We just don't agree with Roman Catholicism. We believe it's wrong. Here's what they said. These people held views on the ordinances similar to Baptists of modern times is allowed by all respectable writers. Here's what was said of them. They were well-meaning and honest, though ignorant and illiterate men. Well, why were they ignorant and illiterate men? Because they didn't believe in the doctrines of Rome. They didn't believe in their, their nutty professors. Right? So they weren't Bible scholars. They didn't believe in the church fathers. They believed in the scriptures. They believed plainly what they saw right there in the Bible. They just believed it. And they practiced it. And for that, they were hated. Guess what? So are you. Because it's simple faith and you believe it. Right? Anyway, so that's, I don't want to go over double information here, so we'll, we should be just about done here. Yeah, we talked about that already. Let's see. Okay, here's one thing that they, that they were noted for. Uh, consequently, the brethren worshipped in private houses, because of persecution, by the way, under different names. Each of the houses where they met seemed to be occupied by one of the brethren. They were marked so as to be known only among themselves, and they never met in large companies in persecuting times. And though they differed in some things, yet there was a perfect agreement in all their points mentioned above. The language of the Paterines is very strongly expressed against infant baptism. Uh, let's see... Here's another point. In the process of time, they sent colonies into almost all of the provinces of Europe and formed gradually a considerable number of religious assemblies who adhered to their doctrine. A set of men like the Paulicians or the Paterines proceeded in vast numbers out of Italy in the following ages and spread like an inundation throughout all European provinces. Thus Italy, who gave a seat to the beast, sent forth those moral streams to prevent the world from being stagnant with pollution. So what, what does that mean? Okay, so you have the seed of the beast in Rome, right? You have the seed of the Antichrist. Well, what else is coming from Rome? These other groups that are going out into all the world and preaching the gospel. 
And they, he just said they're starting churches. They call them religious assemblies, right? They're starting churches everywhere they go. All through Europe, they sent their men. So the Paterines, the, the Vaudois, all these men, uh, the, the Paulicians, they would be starting churches everywhere. While Rome is exporting Antichrist religion, Christ is using these churches to export the gospel all over the Roman roads of the world. See how that works? Isn't that something? Same thing that happens today. Uh, these dissenting Baptists were the only class in this kingdom not given up to the corruption of the times. Listen, luxury, covetousness, and adultery universally prevailed among the Catholic clergy. Prelates habited in purple robes and gold converted nunneries into stews and parks and mansions were had for Saragilios. I think that's a whorehouse. Saragilio. I think that's what that is, is a whorehouse. They were awfully wicked in Italy. Cures and sinecures were provided for their children. Presbyters were common at 12 years of age and boys were bishops. Like the Mormon elders. We have seen the solicitude on the part of parents for the welfare of their offspring with the Alexandrian school first led to youth's baptism. Alexandria. Infant pollution was understood to be removed by water baptism and the ordinance was the only means of saving the soul from purgatory. The importance now attached to baptism required the priest to attend every woman in labor. So they showed up to the woman being in labor. Yes, in all its indecency. But the plan was further matured by inventing various instruments and different distilled waters for the fetus in utero. Abortives and dead bodies received the sanctified liquid. All which evils have the same authority for their existence as pedobaptism. And shame from the scattered rays of truth will abolish the one as it has the other. To detail faithfully the conduct of the clergyman and the progress of infant baptism would present the filthiest, listen, the filthiest account ever issued from the press. Do you understand? Like, you get it, right? It's so filthy they can't talk about the things that they did. Um, well, there were different translations. Like they would have had at that time, they would have had the 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 text there, the old Latin. So they would have had the old Latin at that time still. That's when Jerome's push was to try to get them to, and then later on, years gone by, to try to give up their scriptures. So they would have had the scriptures. To detail faithfully the, con the conduct of the clergyman and the progress of infant baptism would present the filthiest account ever issued from the press. Yet these men, daring to reform the abuses of the church, are by pedo baptism Baptist reproached to this day. So the men that stood up against them are reproached to this day as heretics. That's what they call men like us because they would reprove them for their wickedness, for their vile acts that these clergy did. And it was pretty vile. Like what business would you have showing up at a woman delivering a baby? Because they're wicked perverts. Right? Very wicked. Okay. By the way, the name of the Paterines was given to the, Wal the Waldenses as well, who for the most part held the same opinions and have therefore been taken for and the same class of people who continued till the Reformation under the name of the Paterines or the Waldenses. So they, they were given the same name. Why? They, they were the same. I mean, they believed the same thing. The Waldenses were in religious sentiments substantially the same as the Paulicians, the Paterines, the Puritans, and the Albigenses. Not the baby baptizing Puritans that you see today. Not those or that you saw in the 1600s, but back then. Right? Pure to the, to the faith. 
It was said of them, uh, one stated that we declare all Catharis, Paterines, Poor of Lions, Passagines, Josephus, Arnoldists to lie under perpetual anathema. These intolerant proceedings drove many of those people against whom they were directed to leave France, cross the Pyrian Mountains, and take up a residence in Spain. They had to leave. Right? Okay, anyway. So that gives you the idea of the, the Paterines and who they were, that, that small group of, of people there that, that would have been in, intermingled with the other groups, okay? But their beliefs are not any different than what you hold to for the most part. They're going to be very similar beliefs, very similar things, except they were persecuted for it, and you still have liberty. Only use not your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, right? But use it for God's glory. That's why we have to raise our children right for the Lord. We have to lift up this. You have the scriptures, the completed scriptures right here in, in plain English for you to understand. In the vulgar tongue, right? Like they accuse those people of being vulgar and illiterate men. That's what they say about this book right here. It's just vulgar and illiterate. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't have one of those. Right? Where's your PhD? Vulgar, illiterate. But I'm definitely not inbred. I know that for sure. <laughs> definitely not that. What's that? I don't speak Latin, no. I've been accused of speaking a lot of funny things, but... Some would say I don't even speak English, but that's, right? I speak American. That's right, sort of. But my Bible is, is English, right? Big. Yeah, I do. I speak in tongues then. I know. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for these people. Thank you for your church, Lord. Thank you that we are like these people, Lord, because they followed you and we want to follow you, Lord. Help us to always remember that and be thankful for it. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for this history, this rich history. Thank you, Lord, that one day we'll meet these people in heaven and we'll be able to embrace them and, and, thank, and, and rejoice with them when we see the destruction of Babylon. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.